I've, I've got a word, I'm going to preach a word actually, I, I, I preached this last week um, at Forefront, and actually it's, it's funny because I do, I do feel it fits with what God's already saying today, because uh, when God's wanting to break through into our, our hearts, there, are, there can be things which prevent that, which, which are going to stop that from happening. And, um, and I think this word strongholds is just a significant word. I, I think it's like just a, a word in season. I feel like God is wanting to um, uh, break, break mindsets and things off of his church. And I, and I mean like the thing is about strongholds, as we're going to see a little bit this morning hopefully, is that they can be things that, uh, that you hold personally but they can also be things that we hold collectively and corporately. Okay, so that, so even even at a national level, you, you 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 culturally we can have we can have mindsets which we hold. You know, you go into another nation, you see they think differently. Okay, you you'll found that pe- there's people here from other nations. They'll tell you the British mindset is uh, is, is an odd one. Okay, so they'll, 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 you know it throws a spotlight onto. Whenever you go to another culture, actually, it throws a spotlight on your own culture because you're reflecting often. You're looking at things think, wow, they, they do things differently here. They th- and they think differently. They're just not the same as me. And so it throws a spotlight back on, uh, to your, onto your own life. Now, let's see if the technology works. Uh, now, I, I want to just start here. Anybody know Calvin and Hobbes? Calvin Hobbes, if you don't know Calvin Hobbes, this is an introduction for you, and uh, it's a lovely little cartoon, you can just have a little read of this, because it just uh, highlights uh, sometimes how we think. So here Calvin's the little boy talking to his dad, Dad, will you explain the theory of relativity to me? I don't understand why time goes slower at great speed. It's because you keep changing time zones. See? If you fly to California, you gain three hours on a five-hour flight, right? So if you go at the speed of light, you gain more time because it doesn't take as long to get there. Of course, the theory of relativity only works if you're going west. <laughs> Brilliant. I love this dad. Okay, this, this is what you get to do as, uh, as a dad. This is what dads do. And uh, I, I, I love explaining things to my children. <laughs> I leave Kate to work out the detail. So, uh, and then here, <laughs> Calvin's response, gee, that's not what mum said at all. She must be totally off her rocker. <laughs> well, we men are better at abstract reasoning. Go tell her that. Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, that is the way to do it. We, the thing is, is that uh, when we talk about strongholds, and one of the things we're going to um, pick up on today is actually there are all manner of strongholds, but particularly just in our thinking, and it can be anything from something like this, uh, or, which is just his uh, quasi answer on scientific theory of relativity, but like you can have any kind of theory, ideology, thought processes, okay, from from the, from the weird and wonderful uh, uh, to, to, you know, more serious, um, you know, uh, and, and commonly held beliefs. I mean, there are people around that don't believe the moon actually exists, uh, for example, okay, um, which, you know, would be out there on that sort of slightly wackier end 
of things. People who still believe Elvis is alive, for example. Okay. So you can get all kinds of strange beliefs and ways of thinking about life. Sorry for those of you who, for whom that was a revelation. Uh, you might like to step up for some ministry afterwards. Um, <laughs> oh dear, appreciate that is news for some of you. Right. Um, <laughs> Elvis who, yeah, there's some of you don't even know who he is. Right, let's... Before we get totally lost, let's open up the Bible, okay? So that's a good, that's a good place to go. I've got this scripture here for you, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. And this is um, from the Amplified. And um, uh, we can just read it through. For though we walk, in brackets, live in the flesh, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh, and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God... And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Now what I want to just say to you about this piece of scripture first up is this, is that Paul is writing to the church. Paul is writing to the church and I think he's aiming this at the church. He is not talking about how we deal with spiritual warfare in the world although that can be applied to this as well. And you may find times where you're having to challenge people's reasoning. If you've had that kind of conversation with someone, I, I, um, I've had a few uh, weird and wonderful conversations recently. One, I'll just tell you about one. So we run a Who Let the Dads Out uh, thing once a month on a Saturday. It is what it says it is, right? <laughs> Who the heck let the dads out? Right, so the dads meet together once a month. We do it in Dustin. They're with uh, their little ones. So it's like a, a toddler group, but with dads. So there's bacon rolls, and uh, there's. Um, uh, we had radio controlled cars last time out. It was brilliant. I don't know what the kids did, but we had a great time. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I got into conversation with this bloke who um, begins to tell me that he believes in the paranormal and all the supernatural. And we're having this wild conversation about that and I don't want to because it's the first time we've had that sort of conversation I didn't challenge him too much but I'm just gently kind of bringing one or two things in about what I believe because what, what you find is people hold all sorts of different ways of looking at life and thinking about life that are not in line with God but Paul here I believe wants to challenge first and foremost actually our own ways of thinking then actually for us collectively as church uh, corporately but also individually that I guarantee you okay that we don't think perfectly about God and what he's uh, doing here so this is this is addressed to us uh, our believers as God's people now, there's just a few things that I want us to pick up. Okay, Firstly, that he talks about uh, the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. 
Now, a stronghold, Paul here is, is immediately putting, planting a picture into the minds of those that he's speaking to, something familiar to them, i.e. A, a fortress, okay, a, a, a safe place, a defensive position. He's saying that this, a stronghold, is a place of safety. It's a place where you can dwell and you're protected by the walls around you and, you, and you're protected from harm, okay? That's a stronghold, so he's putting that into their minds. But obviously, there's a, uh, that these are negative strongholds that he's referring to. These are ideologies, reasonings, proud, lofty thoughts that what? Set themselves up against the true knowledge of God. See, we all have an impression, an understanding of who God is. Whether it's right or not is open to debate. Okay? We don't have a perfect... I just like, Let's just check this out. Okay, I'd like you to stand up if you have a perfect theology of God right now. And we're going to shoot you if you stand up. No, sorry. <laughs> no, we won't. No, we'll just beat you. Is that all right? Look, the reality is that none of us is foolish enough to admit or to say, publicly at least, that we've got it like locked down when it comes to God. We, we just, I know God, right? You know, I mean, there's nothing I don't know about him, okay? <laughs> no, we know that God is, is, uh, is bigger than our own theology and thinking, so what are these strongholds? Well, they are uh, places, they're like blind spots in our lives which remain unchallenged where the enemy dwells safely. Okay, so I want you to hear that because that's, that, that is an important statement. The enemy can dwell. You may be saved, born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet the enemy dwells safely in your thinking. Okay, because it's got nothing to do with your spirit and everything to do with your mind and your soul. Okay, your spirit, when you're born again, you, you're utterly transformed and you're made alive in Christ. You're a new creation. Right, your spirit is born again, but your mind must undergo a transformation. And it's a process. And if you're anything like me, you're slow. <laughs> That's my public confession of the morning. There won't be any more. Right. But these things set themselves up against the knowledge of God. These things are anti-God. Um, I've got a few quotes for you this morning. This is a good one. This is from Francis Frangipan in his uh, little book. Uh, I brought it with me just in case the technology didn't work. I have no faith in it whatsoever. But uh, the three battlegrounds. He says this, a demonic stronghold is any type of thinking that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, thereby giving the devil a secure place of influence in an individual's thought life. Okay? We must acknowledge and understand that at times the enemy is, this is not about demon possession. Okay, let's just be clear. It's not that the enemy somehow possesses you. I don't, I don't think, see, that would be the realm of the spirit. Now, in the spirit, you're born again. The enemy can't dwell in your spirit, but what he can do is influence your thinking, and he can dwell uh, um, in that secure place, that stronghold in your thinking. And he remains there unchallenged because it's the way you think, it's automatic. 
You don't have that. There were certain patterns of our thinking that are just automatic to us. This is the way I think about life. This is the way I view life. This is how life works. This is how life is. And it remains unchallenged uh, in us or can do. This is another great quote. I was listening to a preach by Bill Johnson recently uh, on the subject of strongholds, and he says this We cannot afford to entertain thoughts about us that he doesn't think about us. The moment we do, we war against the purposes of God in our life. I mean, this is, a, again, a profound statement when you start thinking about the ramifications of it. We cannot afford to entertain thoughts about us that he doesn't think about us. How do you think about yourself? That, that really matters. We, we talk about identity and, and, and our image. You know, we... we and, and this goes hand in hand, you see, with understanding God, because what Paul is talking about is the knowledge of God, but the, you know, the flip side is also the knowledge of ourselves and how we see ourselves. See, what matters is not how you see yourself, but how God sees you. What matters is not what you would say about yourself, but what God would say about you. It's what I call the I am's. <laughs> You spend a few minutes listening to someone. I've got an example of this. In the, uh, just recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was praying with a couple, and um, the, uh, we, we, we talked and prayed for quite a long time. As we were praying together, I said to this lady, when you come in to Forefront Church, this is just like prophetic. I started to see it. So when you come into Forefront Church, God wants to say to you, you are not a second-class citizen. So you walk into church, I said, I just sense you feel like a second-class citizen. And God is saying to you, you are not a second-class citizen. You walk into church, you are loved, accepted, you're part of the body of Christ. I said, you are not a second-class citizen. And it was like, just broke the floodgates, really, for her. I mean, she just, she just, God started to minister to her because it opened it up because she realized that is how I feel and that is how I think about myself. Now, that's a powerful stronghold right there because if you're thinking in that fashion and therefore you're behaving in that fashion, then guess what? At that moment, the, the, it is warring against the purposes of God in her life. It is preventing her from becoming all she can be just within the life of the church. It's one stronghold. See how powerful that is, how insidious it is, how evil it is, how awful the devil is. Okay, Because he lies to us because he doesn't want us fulfilling the purposes of God. He doesn't want us with a true image of ourselves and he doesn't want us with a true image of what God is like. But I am here to call time on the purposes of the devil and to tell you that God is going to break down strongholds. Come on. It is time for the church to know her true identity and for you to know your identity, to walk in the fullness and the goodness of it. Now we need, one of the, uh, I don't know that it's in that um, amplified translation, but um, there's, uh, it picks it up. I'll just just look at that 2 Corinthians 10 um, in my my Bible here. Because there's just one word in here 
in verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And I just, I, I, I like that word there, the divine power to destroy strongholds. This, what Paul is also doing here, he's using violent terminology. This is the destruction of, this is not like we're going to make some light assault on this and uh, you know, maybe uh, knock a few blocks off the old uh, stronghold and then run away. Now we're going to utterly take this down. We are going to destroy this stronghold. This is going to be so demolished that nothing remains. There therefore is no place of safety for the enemy any longer in this area in my life. He cannot deceive me in this area any longer because that way of thinking, that stronghold is gone. Okay? Hallelujah. Yes, let's keep going. Let's just think for a moment. I just want to throw out a few of these things to say, look, strongholds can be fears. Strongholds can be religious ways of thinking. Okay? They can be wrong doctrine. You know, my, what is, like I say, my view of God, how he behaves, what he is like. It can be wrong doctrine. Uh, it can be ideology. One of, uh, one of my guys, and um, you won't mind me saying, I've, I've got a guy in my, my church, and he describes his conversion and his coming to God. Uh, in fact, what happened to him was that he was, he was sort of born in a family which, uh, whereby his, his dad was like a union man. He was like really politically minded and motivated. And so he held a very socialist outlook on life. And so th this guy grew up with that. When he came to faith in Christ, and he describes his, te this is his testimony. He said, I read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7. And he said, and what, what he read was a manifesto. He said, that's the way he describes it. He says, it was a manifesto. It was like, and he said, this guy, Jesus, I'm going to vote for him. That was kind of how he saw it, right? <laughs> I vote for Jesus. But what it did in him was it, it, it challenged an ideology that he held, which was the way we solve the, solve the world's problems, is, is with this socialist ideal where, where we create equality. Uh, you know, everybody's kind of like gets... Uh, paid equal and we all kind of work together in this cohesive whole I, in one sense uh, as, a, as an ideology it's great, it's just it doesn't work <laughs> and so but, but God challenged his ideology and said the problem see the problem is with socialism is that what's missing is the God factor it's, just, it's, just, it's missing Jesus. And any ideology and any way of thinking that doesn't have Christ at its heart and at its center is going to be flawed. Amen. doesn't matter how good it is. See, what can happen is this, is you can, it's like, we, we, you know, just think about human reasoning, okay? We can sort of look at a problem and work out, take advice and work out, what, what do I need to do in this situation? 
Let's say you want to invest some money. Let's say you're thinking about you know, your pensions or investments or something like that. And you could latch on to a really great piece of worldly wisdom uh, and, and advice in terms of this is what you need to do with your money. I want to tell you, if it doesn't have Christ at its center, and if you haven't submitted it to Christ, it is flawed. So we need, we have to have a mindset that starts with Christ in these areas. Now, like I said, we can have cultural norms, ways of, you know, uh, viewing life. I, I, went to, uh, uh, I went to Pakistan recently, some of you may know, and, uh, but also I've got uh, relatives who, so one of my, my brother-in-law, he's Indian actually, and one of the things that I've discovered is they drink their tea really differently. They drink tea very differently to us. They, they have it milky and sweet. And it's so sweet. It's like, it's, you might as well just be sucking on sugar cane. It's unbelievable. And uh, so I, I just politely refused tea whilst I was in Pakistan. I thought, oh, oh, <laughs> this, this stuff. In fact, actually, if you did want tea, you had to ask for English tea. I want English tea. That is, look, in fact, actually, just give me the tea bag and the hot water. I'll, I'll, I'll take over from there, okay? <laughs> they got it all wrong. <laughs> now, you see, because we have our cultural norms. Now, obviously, when it comes to tea, I'm sure that God drinks his tea the same way I do, so I know I'm right in that one. But <laughs> there are some things about which it really doesn't matter, but then there are other things about which it really does matter. The way we uh, see things, the way we see life, and that, the cultural norms that we have. Okay, let's, uh, let's move along. God, time's going so quickly. Right, what have we got next on here? Demolishing strongholds. Um, just, in fact, actually, before I let you read that, because you're going to get distracted. Um, oh. No, I'm no, teasing with you. Uh, the place we have to start is that place of humility. And humility releases grace, okay? Uh, in humility, therefore, see, one of the enemy's greatest tricks is to persuade you there's nothing wrong with your thinking, okay? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my thinking. Um, and, you know, so actually, the first, the, the, the start point is, I know that there are, there, there are strongholds in my life. I know there's areas, there must be blind spots in me and strongholds in me that aren't right. Therefore, I need God to work on me. My theology is imperfect and my knowledge of God is incomplete. And, you know, you know uh, this scripture well, I'll, I'll remind you of the verses, but in Isaiah 15, Isaiah the, the prophet here just puts this so beautifully he just, he, this is what he says uh, speaking uh, as from God says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours okay now what I want to say about that let's, let's just Let's just uh, get a couple of things from there. What, firstly, it's not like your thinking is fractionally or marginally different from God. It is that it is vastly like otherworldly. Okay, 
That's what this says. It's, it, it, it's chalk and cheese. It's this, this distance, this chasm that lies between the way you think, and certainly when, as an unregenerate person, the way you think automatically, as opposed to the way God thinks and carries on is completely other world. If you want any proof of that, if you want to look at that or examine that more closely, read the Gospels again and read it from a point of view of understanding the mindset of Christ as opposed to the mindset of the disciples. So uh, as an example, I'm throwing this in now, I'm doing things out of order, but as an example, uh, the disciples, uh, that they've been with Jesus ministering, he sends them off uh, out on a boat and he dismisses the crowd. Uh, during the night, a storm whips up and it gets a bit hairy. Now these are fishermen, okay, these are guys that know the water. So they are they're anxious and somewhat fearful because the wind and the waves. Jesus comes walking out to them on the water. Right? Okay, you know the story. He comes walking out to them on, on the water. And they're all terrified because they think, they think, first thought is, it's a ghost. It's an apparition. It's something spiritual that's like other worlds. See, because they're thinking as not like the thinking that they should have. Okay, so what we're getting a glimpse into is a mindset, an understanding. Ah, this must be that. Okay, now, uh, uh, John, I think it is, turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord. And Peter goes, I think you're right. So he calls out to him and he says, is it you, Jesus? And uh, Jesus says, it's me. He says, call me to come to you if it's you. And he says, come on, Peter, out you come. Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. And then it says that he, he looked around, he started to see the wind and the waves. He lost that courage and that faith that he had and he began to sink and he cried out. Jesus grabbed a hold of him and they got back in the boat together. What does Jesus say? Oh, well done, you, you did well. You, you know, it was good effort. That's what I'd have said. I said, Peter, not bad, mate. You went for it. No, he says, oh, you of little faith. I'm like, Jesus is a bit harsh. I mean, you know, the other guys, they're all in the boat just going, go, Peter, we're with you, honestly, all the way. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, you of little faith. Why? Because in his mindset, he said to him, you can come on the water. It is safe. You will be safe. You can come out and you can step out of that boat. He had a mindset. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus was in that place of ultimate faith. He knew and understood that he had authority over the world around him. And he stood. That's the place he dwelt in. And in his thinking and in his mindset, walking on water was absolutely fine. Not difficult. Normal. And he challenged, but Peter's mindset in his humanity is water, waves, no boat, death by drowning. <laughs> so there's a clash of two mindsets and he's saying, you've got little faith. You should see what I see. If you understood what I understood, you wouldn't have feared and you'd have been okay. There's another great example that Bill Johnson uses and he talked about the time when they're in a boat, they're in another boat this time and um, He's, uh, he says to them, Jesus says to the disciples, um, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. 
And they start having a debate amongst themselves and discuss, well, not discussing really, but panicking a little bit because they're like, we haven't got any bread. We haven't got any bread with us. He's, you know, we've done this before where we've run out of lunch and uh, we're, here we are, we've got no bread. Jesus is a bit annoyed. Jesus says this, why do you reason? Why do you think? Why do you reason that you have no bread? What's he saying to them? He, he's basically saying, look, I, we've already done the feeding of the 5,000. So why on earth have you not yet got this, you crash test dummies? What is wrong with you? Your mindset. See, when, the way he set that up is that now you don't, because of the miracle, the problem is if every time the miracle is just a miracle in as much as it's like, oh my goodness, you know, we haven't got this. Ah, oh, you know, God sort of miraculously turns up. Now what Jesus was inviting them into is the realm of the miraculous. To think miraculously, the miracle meant that they didn't have permission to doubt Jesus again. They had to change their mindset. Why do you reason that you have no bread? You don't have permission for that anymore. Why? Because we already did the miracle. See, what there is in Scripture, and I believe that what God is wanting to say to us is this very simple thing. There is an open invitation to step into a whole new way of thinking. That is what is on offer here. And I believe that God is wanting to draw us in further than ever before into a way, into a mindset. See, when you take down the stronghold of the enemy, we build another stronghold. And it's the stronghold of the mindset of the Lord. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm like miles on from where I need to be. Right, let's come back to here. Demolishing, let's just think about demolishing strongholds for a moment. You are going to need, the it's the divine power to pull down strongholds. But there are also some divine tricks to play. And uh, Caroline uh, Smith, some of you know Caroline, she brought this to us the other week. She wasn't talking as such about demolishing strongholds, but it, it, she was talking about just lies, really. And, but it's, it amounts to the same thing. So just to run through these quick for you, but first of all, you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any lies you are believing and where you got them from. Because <laughs> source, sometimes we've got to go to the source in order to get the thing dealt with. But it's, the great thing is, is the Holy Spirit brings... you know the scripture sets this up it, it talks about light and darkness the enemy dwells in darkness now when the Holy Spirit shows up he's going to turn the light on in your life and he is able unlike any other to turn a spotlight into areas and blind spots in your life and to point out where the lies are uh, secondly forgive the people that planted or sowed that life into your life which may even be yourself and consequences that that has had in your life whether deliberately or accidentally the power of forgiveness is one of the ways to see how do we demolish strongholds first we've got to identify them secondly forgiveness key weapon in the armory of demolishing a stronghold thirdly ask God to forgive you for partnering with that lie and for letting it rule as a belief system in your life the power that the enemy has over you right now is simply this, yes. In other words, it's your agreement. It's your yes. So when we turn the yes into a no, 
When we begin to say no, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm going to, what are you doing when you say no? You're starting to renounce the lie. That is, I'm going to renounce this lie. This is a lie. I identify that as a lie. I now begin to renounce that as a lie. Okay. Um, in the name of Jesus, break all agreements with the lie, severing it completely from your life. That's what I'm just saying. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the truth in exchange. Now, God, what is the truth? What have you got to say about whether it's about me, this situation, this person, etc.? Whatever it may be, what is the truth? You're going to exchange a, tr- a lie for the truth. Feed on the truth he gives you and meditate on scriptures that declare the truth to establish the truth as a new belief system in your life because it takes time. Sometimes with strongholds, although you can uh, identify them quick sometimes and you can get to the roots as such and you can start renouncing them, but actually moving from a pattern, a way of thinking that is so familiar to you into a new way of thinking just takes time. Okay? Is that helpful? Good. Three of you found it helpful. Excellent. Right. So, <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, it's, oh, it's gone. Oh. Maybe it's because I pressed something I shouldn't have pressed. Oh, oh, ah, it's because I'm pointing it in the wrong direction. You do that. You automatically point to the screen. So I don't need to point there. Right. Uh, this is just where I want us to. Um, I want us to end up. So. I'm just. I'm going to conclude here. This. This is therefore what God is wanting to do. He's, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Okay. Proverbs 18 verse 10. I used to, we used to sing a song about that. The name of the Lord. I used to remember that. Some of you. Some of you who are longer in the tooth, who were around in the 80s, um, and possibly a bit before that, uh, remember this song. Anyway. The way I looked at that verse and the way when we used to sing that song was kind of like we're running away into this nice safe place and there we hide. And I don't think that's what it means at all. This is a defensive uh, position, yes, but it's a position. When you're in a defensive position, it's also a position from which you can then attack. Right? It, it, what it sets up is it's that ability to then go on the offensive with God. See, I'm not only pulled down, now as Paul is saying, you see, we're not only pulling down strongholds and demolishing strongholds in our own lives, but also in the lives of other people. And there is a mindset and a way of thinking that, that when we begin to uh, understand, you know, that, that invitation I was talking about is an invitation into the knowledge of God. That was the 2 Corinthians 10. That actually we know him. We know what he's like. And as it, uh, uh, as this quote here, which I think sums it up nicely, from uh, again from this little book by Francis Fangipan, we not only believe in him, we believe like him. Yeah, it's, it's such a short little statement, packed full with truth. Brilliant. Not only believe in him, anybody can do that. Any any old idiot can believe in God, right? The the, the challenge is to believe like him. 
And that is, that I want to suggest to you is exactly what I'm trying to force home today. Is that is what God wants for us. He wants, us to bring, he wants to bring us into a place where we not only believe in him, but we believe like him. And therefore, there's nothing impossible. Nothing is off limits. Not only is strongholds coming down in my own life, but now I get to dis- demolish strongholds in other people's lives. And that's fun. Okay, that's where the fun begins. And we, you know, there are times, it's like I was saying to you when I was ministering to that lady the other week who, you know, just about being a second class citizen, that it's that you get to pull a stronghold down and it's just fantastic. Such a great experience because it's like, yes, the enemy is, you know, he is on the way out the door. Okay. And that's, see, freedom, there's going to be, and there already is, but there's going to be an increased measure of freedom in the house of God. Amen. It's what we're coming into. And it is that also, see, what you learn to recognize in yourself, but you also then get to recognize it in other people, is ungodly ways of thinking and patterns of thinking. Now, we must always main, try to maintain that place of humility, recognizing we are not above deception. Okay, so when we maintain that, we, we, we stay in that place of humility. Brian often has joked with me, he said, I, he said, I keep my theology on a postage stamp. And I know what he means. It's like, I don't want to, you know, these are the rules for God. This, is, this is, defines him. This is who he is, and he can't break out of it. Because if he does it, it can't be God. What we must allow, see, what we've got to allow, God, we've been terribly bad at this sometimes as Christians. Because of the fear of getting it wrong, we stay within the confinements and, and, and we're so constrained that can't be God over there because I don't understand it and it doesn't fit my parameters. I want to suggest that there are times, and actually the better way is to allow the experience to raise questions about what is God. Is that God? Well, it might be. Or we better ask him. Yeah. It's definitely a better way. When we, I was talking to someone a, a, um, a little while ago and I was recounting uh, early days of Kingdom Life Church. And we were at this little barn out um, on the south side of town in Hunsbury, uh, the Hunsbury Hill Centre. And there we were. And there, there, there were times where uh, at the barn where we, were, where we had services that were so uh, full of the spirit uh, that people were drunk in the spirit and we had to carry them out and we, f- when we just would pile up the bodies on the grass and let them make their own way home that, that was how it was when I met Kate right, she'd come from an Anglican traditional background like hymn prayer sandwich we know exactly what we're doing. We got a form of words. And so for her, this was so off the grid and absolutely terrified her. Do you know what God... Now, interestingly, the way Kate processes, I'm sure she'd tell it much better than me, but the way she processed this, as she was trembling in fear, thinking, who's that nutty woman up the front who keeps shouting, which was Alice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're all laughing because you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> who is that nutty... Oh, he's married. She's married to the pastor. Oh, okay. So she's like, um, so what did so what did she do? She prays. Yeah, she was like, I wish you'd shut up. Uh, she prays and she hears God, and God says, "It's still me." 
Now, I think that demonstrates how... See, the problem is, if, if you confine God to your parameters, you're going to miss God. And Kate would have missed God in that moment, but because she fancied me so much, <laughs> which is not difficult to understand, <laughs> she thought, I'd better check it out, because it could be God, and then, that, and then this guy's okay. So it, it's all on. <laughs> worked for me (laughs) oh God's so good isn't he so um, I tell you what we're going to do is we're going to stand and uh, we're going to pray now because I think I think that's good we've got got enough of that this morning yeah good yeah I hope it's blessed you yeah good yeah God's good, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, let, let us, just for a moment, now this is something you're going to, I think you've got to take it away with you. You've got to invite God in in a new way and, and ask him to start shining a spotlight in your own life, okay? Let him challenge things that have maybe been unchallenged for a long time. Um, but even just now, we're just going to surrender ourselves afresh to God. We're going to give our minds over to him okay so let's just prepare our hearts Lord we want to thank you that this morning even as we sang that song you were talking about breaking through and I believe that part of the way in which the breakthrough happens for us and the way you break through into hearts and heal them is that actually you break strongholds in order to get to the heart that ways of thinking that are anti-God that stop us and prevent us from knowing him as he truly is and embracing him as he is Lord that those strongholds are coming down in Jesus name and I believe that even this morning we're going to notice on those things even the hidden things that we don't yet perceive and we say to you today God you have permission to shine the spotlight into our lives and challenge them to challenge wrong ways of thinking things that are anti-God Lord things that are, are, are thoughts about ourselves that are also wrong Lord challenge those things reveal in us like David prayed Lord Lord search my heart try me and know me and see if there's any wicked way in me Lord because why because we want to be like you we want to not only believe in you but believe like you I thank you for the invitation to come into a mindset that is a stronghold of the mind of Christ for that's what we have we have the mind of Christ Lord, it is not that the distance is to remain. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. Now his thoughts can be our thoughts and his ways shall be our ways. And we declare it this morning. Lord, that our thinking shall come into line and our attitudes and our ways of doing life should come into line with the kingdom of God so that it's established in us such a firm foundation, Lord from which we may do great exploits for God. Amen. 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 Bless you.